0: Heavy networking, welcome sponsor Netrus to the show. If you're an avid listener to the Packet Pushers Podcast Network, the Nettris name might ring a bell and that's because Netris was a guest on the Day 2 Cloud Podcast in June 2022. And today, Netris is back with a special episode for you network nerds who are really getting into automation, infrastructure as code, pipelines, and so on. Netrus is all about bringing that public cloud VPC experience to the network that you've already got. Uh, imagine being able to consume your existing Network with APIs and being able to stand up VLANs and VXLANs and elastic load balancers, firewalls, internet gateways, and more. Now, I don't want to throw you off because if that sounds like an orchestration tool to you, not not exactly. Netris is offering these services on its own platform, and I'm I'm going to let our guest explain. Alex Sarian is the CEO and co-founder of Netris. Alex, welcome to Heavy Networking, and man, let's jump right into the nerd stuff. Give us the high level overview, and it, just in a paragraph or two, explain to our audience of networking network engineers, what Netris is all about.
1: Hi, everyone. So guys, in public cloud, networking is kind of self-service, comprehensive, and kind of compute aware with understanding what's underlying compute is all about. That's amazing. Cloud experience is possible thanks to this VPC abstraction layer that public cloud providers develop internally for their own use. What we do, we are software that brings VPC uh, networking obstruction to everyone else beyond the public cloud.
0: Okay. So bringing VPC to everybody else. So l- let's say I'm not deep into public cloud and VPC. Maybe I've heard the term, but I kind of don't know what it is. Explain like I'm five. What's a VPC? Why do I want one, Alex?
1: VPC is this obstruction that makes networking kind of self-service for end users of networking for DevOps engineer, for mm-hmm. example. So DevOps engineer can go there, request some kind of networking service boom, it's automatically configured, provided provision, it's ready to be consumed. VPC has this kind of comprehensiveness, so basically your load balancing, your network address translation, routing, IP addresses, firewalls, DHCP, all these things are kind of part of single VPC gateway. And third component, VPC understands your compute. So basically when you plug in Kubernetes cluster, it's not just a bunch of IP addresses and MAC addresses, It's and of VPC understands that this is actually Kubernetes clusters as kind of visibility into its internals.
2: So a NetRus VPC is not just a network slice. It's not a it's not just a VLAN or a VXLAN or an EVPN. It's actually a slice, but it also includes the services. So you're talking you said I, I get a NAT gateway, I get a DNS, a DHCP. That's more than what you get out of a cloud VPC. So it's a comprehensive, almost like a tenant, like a multi-tenancy type idea.
1: There's multi-tenancy component too, Mm -hmm. that's primarily used for the situations where there are multiple teams within the organization. So like network engineers, they want to have their tenant, their roles, their own controls, so network engineers can control, be in charge of things they care about, kind of define limits of what other teams, DevOps engineers can or cannot do. But also NetRisk VPC understands that these different resources are living in different tenants.
2: Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say is that if I go and instantiate a VPC on AWS or with the, the the Azure equivalent or the Google equivalent, I don't get a NAT gateway. I have to invoke that separately. Whereas you're actually able to orchestrate all those things together. And then you're also saying uh, you will be able to, if you look at instantiating a Kubernetes cluster, you recognize the cluster as its ent- as an entity, not as an IP address, not as a network node. You see it as an application node.
1: Yeah, that's true, because there are cases when you need this, like, Mm -hmm. for example, one the very basic case for this is when your application running inside Kubernetes is trying to use service of a type of load balancer. So basically, Mm -hmm. Kubernetes is relying on cloud environment to provide a layer for TCP kind of load balancer to, to route traffic inside. And Kubernetes application is not expecting users to like configure this manually they expect the environment to provide this right uh and standard kubernetes construct so <clears throat> this is one of these things that that we uh, uh understand and because we already have elastic load balancer as part of our vpc right when, whenever we find that application is trying to use this service of type load balancer we provision that and then we keep following on which kubernetes nodes and pods this application is
2: currently running right right yeah because in an in a kubernetes container you actually have to track the application you know this is a web node this is a database node do i need to spawn more of these web nodes do i need you know the the, this as my api endpoint do i need 10 api endpoints to handle the load so you don't you want the load balancer to be dynamically aware of oh there's more containers being spawned to handle the load i need to add them to the to the pool and, and and things like that so I guess it's I, – I, there's a trick here too is because you're also overlapping with the concepts of service mesh and, but in a much more practical way because you service meshes don't really stitch together VMs or – you know, bare metal servers, it's a much more universal way of approaching it than I think a a traditional VPC. Is that the gap?
1: I think both technologies have have their place. In case of service mesh, you you more of a care in traffic between your containers. Mm -hmm. And in case of load balancer, you care about traffic primarily coming from outside, from public internet, from your users or or other consumers on your infrastructure. So each technology has its place and we see people using both technologies in parallel.
2: I guess I'm just trying to drill into that idea that a VPC is not just a, a VLAN or a VXLAN. It's much more than that. You create a, a, v, you know, a slice of a network or a tenant in a network, you still need a whole bunch of other stuff, DNS, DACP, load balancing, what goes into that VPC. And, and that's, I think that's a key part of what Netris is addressing.
1: Absolutely. One of the challenges with Kubernetes from your previous example is like in the world of Kubernetes, things are very dynamic. All of a sudden you're getting more nodes and this is just a normal thing. Your environment decided to create a whole bunch of new nodes. Your yeah. network needs to understand this. There is no expectation of network engineer, uh, you know, reacting to this new node.
2: I get what you're saying. Right. So what you're saying is say in a physical network, you might say this port, this port and this port. It belongs to this VLAN and therefore these servers can all access each other, you know, or VXLAN. Similarly, you know, these ports are all in this VXLAN. But in a VPC, you don't have ports to define the edge. So you need some other way of defining it. And it's also very dynamic in this environment. Things can change. You can add VMs, delete VMs, add containers, delete containers. And the services have to be aware of that. You can't just, like when a container goes down, it doesn't deregister itself from the DNS necessarily.
1: Absolutely. And same goes with the load balancer. Mm-hmm. You you launch your application, you've got load balancer with a, like a list of backend IPs. And then after two hours, you have different list of backend IPs because mm-hmm. something changed. New, new nodes just launched.
0: So the product of Netris, Alex, is not a piece of software that sits off to the side and manages my routers and switches. It sounds like it is something that's running on servers and stands up a bunch of services that i'm going to push network traffic through is that a good way to think of it
1: yeah we call this node a soft gate it's like a vpc gateway on a stick remember there was this router on the stick thing Mm -hmm. and this is like vpc gateway on a stick it's a pure software running on linux machine on ubuntu linux machine what it does, it configures networking things, configures kernel, configures FRR, configures uh, IP tables, NF tables, things like that. It does a lot of integration between this uh, open source uh, networking tools hmm. uh, and and also does uh, DPDK acceleration when possible, when hmm. when appropriate hardware exists.
2: So that's actually important because what we're one of the things that enables this type of networking is hardware acceleration. Now we talk. We talk a lot on the pod, on packet pushes about DPUs and smart nics. And yes, that's they're going to be a, a feature in the future. They're not quite here yet. It's still a bit too early. But I think we should note that a lot of acceleration can be done using DPDK on existing nics and existing motherboards. That Intel. That's a standard that Intel put together, and the other manufacturers follow.
1: Absolutely. And uh, speaking of performance, actually, one of our customers, they they are deployed in six regions and they don't have border routers. Right. They expose NetRisk VPC directly to public internet and they're leveraging this DPDK acceleration. And each region is forwarding 100 gigs per second at 25 million packets per second.
2: All right. So you've completely removed the need for an edge router. You don't need a big BFR, big big fat router at the front end to you know to forward packets you're saying just put them on a vlan and expi- and of course security there but notwithstanding you're taking steps to make those instances secure but you know that's just a way of saying instead of having a big router and funneling everything through it why not connect everything directly to the to the internet and just let it run and that gives you better performance better latency
1: yeah absolutely in 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 some cases i'm not saying that we can we replacing all cases, but yeah. in some cases, where especially when uh, users are building private cloud, that's their use case, private mm-hmm. cloud. In that case, yeah, it becomes simple architecture. It's more stable when, when your architecture is simple.
2: Yeah. And it's also what you're actually saying too, is it's, sl- it's fast. So this agent is high performant. Just because it's a VPC on a stick doesn't mean that it's slow. Uh, you're talking tens to hundreds of gigabits per second through these agents. So it's not a bottleneck.
1: That's thanks to the PDK acceleration and modern smart NICs.
0: So you're not managing my, my metal, uh, network, if you will, my Cisco boxes and my Juniper boxes, et cetera, uh, but you're interacting with them. So do you even care what I've got for my network fabric?
1: Um, that that's a, that's a great question. Uh, so, uh, our, our main focus is this VPC thing, VPC experience, and there are, multiple kind of use cases, multiple platform scenarios where users want to use this. So one case <clears throat> is a brownfield scenario when uh, when customer already has uh, Juniper, Cisco, Arista, some kind of network that is there, they are not going to change this network or something. And they want to load VPC uh, uh, on top of existing network like a, and create kind of a, uh, cloud native island so for this particular use case what we do we we run on top of a vlan trunk if yeah. if you will so uh, so y- y- users create like a range of vlan ids and give this vlan ids to netris and netris knows this is range of vlan ids where i can which i can use for various services vpc1 vlan id 1 vpc2 vlan id well, not one, but like first. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you would, I, I, I could imagine you're most likely carving out a chunk of VLAN ID, like 800 to 850 or something like that. And that's the Netrus VPC VLANs. And anything in that is Netrus. So that means the immediate thought I have this means that I could put this into a brownfield. So if I've got an existing network and I want to do these VPC functions, I don't have to go and throw out everything in my network. It would run better on a leaf spine or a clo architecture because better bandwidth, better capacity. But I could even start this today on a standard, you know, uh, three-tier spanning tree VLAN type thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our, our users run this in their uh, traditional enterprise network without the need to change that net, network much, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that situation, network engineers are happy because they don't need to make significant changes. But mm-hmm. at the same time, network engineers are Get, uh being able to satisfy the needs of DevOps engineers now from okay. DevOps engineer perspective they get VPC from NetOps yeah. engineer perspective they service bunch of servers
0: yeah okay and the NetOps people are going to be concerned about uh throughput maybe and so just got to make sure that it's plumbed up to enough switches we don't want we don't want the Netris box providing the VPCs our VPC island there to become a bottleneck right Alex
1: Absolutely. Mm. Currently, with given that supported SmartNIC is on the server, one server can do up to 100 gigs. And in current version, we just support active standby high availability. But in future releases, this is going to be uh, horizontally scalable, just be able to add more yeah. gates and don't care about this.
0: Horizontally scalable. So so like a cluster architecture where services are transparent to the node they're on. I'm not interacting with no an indiv- individual network Netris nodes anymore? Uh, I'm interacting with a cluster? Or uh, how do you mean horizontally scalable?
1: In all scenarios, all user engineer interaction happens through Netris controller. You basically go to controller and define your services. You don't define things that are specific to our soft gate nodes. Soft gate nodes oh. are kind of ephemeral.
2: Yeah, right. So and what you're saying is there's, the controller is not horizontally scaled because it doesn't really need to because it only... Uses processing and memory when it's going through a configuration instance or collecting telemetry, but it's the agents that you put the VPC on a stick. That needs to scale horizontally because under load, it may start to to run into capacity limits. I guess the thing that appeals to me is the fact that you don't actually care what your network provider is, but you're also not touching the network. So you're not suddenly configuring the network underneath either. So I can deploy this Just allocate some VLAN IDs and some IP addressing space and then configure it all up. And then there you go, Mr. Kubernetes DevOpsy, you know, SRE, whatever it is you want to do, go to town and away you go. You've got this whole networking infrastructure that's running almost without reference to the underlying physical thing.
1: Absolutely. Existing switch technologies, they are amazing on moving packets. You know, VLAN encapsulation is something that works really well and like everything. In the world, supports yeah. that. Like, why, why don't, why don't we use that? Like, <laughs> why, why to reinvent the wheel? Like,
2: <laughs> well, there are reasons, but you know, not always reasons. You know, there's
1: <laughs> in brownfield yeah, scenario. Yeah, right. yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's still a lot of companies out there not doing layer three routing to the edge. They're still L two. Yes, and so you want to start. And, and if you want to get into the cloud, this is a way in without having to throw out your, you know, uh, uh, I was going to say legacy, but I'm going to call them legendary switches. You know, if you've got your legendary network, that's a three-tier spanning tree, right?
0: <laughs> but Alex, I think in the planning call, when you you were kind of briefing us, catching us up on Netris technology, there was some interaction Netris could do with uh, maybe white box switches running Sonic. Am I remembering that right?
1: Yeah, true. So w- what I was just described that was... Uh, for a brownfield scenario, but there's there's also there are two uh, two more scenarios. The second scenario is when uh, y- users are building greenfield are building private cloud uh, in a greenfield situation, uh, and they actually do want us to configure switches. That's 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 a different, totally different scenario. And there are limited. Uh, n- uh, Limited models of switches that we support. Uh, we, we we don't support, of course, the all switches in the world. It's just NVIDIA, uh, Dell, and uh, H, H Core. Uh, so we basically support Cumulus uh, and Sonic. Uh, so Sonic is still in kind of its growing phase, but like we support mm. features that Sonic supports. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs>
2: Uh, it reminds me of Linux in the in the early 2000s. It's kind of there you know with sufficient effort <laughs> pigs you can you know with sufficient thrust pigs can fly but you never quite know where they land and when they're, when they're going to land so
1: Absolutely yeah uh, totally So we we, ha- we have a module which can uh, which can configure the underlying fabric so basically create that layer three, uh links between switches, uh do that leaves spine fabric and provision vx And 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 again run NetRIS VPC uh soft gate nodes as a part of that switching network. In that hmm. case, we because we have configured the fabric, we know that this fabric uh supports VXLANS and in this case we will use VXLAN uh as an encapsulation instead of VLANs. Because gotcha. it scales better.
0: I like the way you just kind of said that in a sense, oh yeah, with these certain operating systems and switch platforms that we support, we can do, uh, basically build you an entire VXLAN fabric as if it was trivial. That's such a big deal, Alex. <laughs> that's a colossally, that's a major coding effort to have pulled that off. So, okay. Uh, it, now you, you said Sonic and, uh, you know, and a few other boxes. So there's there's some Broadcom there that you're expecting to be sitting inside those boxes, uh, some specific chips.
1: Uh. Yeah, actually, yeah, Broadcom either either uh, Nvidia, uh, uh, yeah, Nvidia like former Mellanox uh, switches yeah, yeah. too. Uh, those we we actually see 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 those switches uh, quite quite often. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. For for some reason they are popular uh, among uh, uh, these customers who are building private clouds who's who are into this greenfield uh, stuff. Mm. Uh, but like we're we're neutral, we support both. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Now, are there are there smart NICs or DPUs that you specifically work with, or is that uh, you're kind of abstracted away from you? You don't care about that hardware so much.
1: So, so smart NIC wise, um, it it actually requires uh, uh, it it actually requires to uh, build uh, to compile the code for every every single smart NIC. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little bit of, uh, effort, uh, on, mm-hmm. on our side. So we, we, uh, we, we validate different smart NICs and, uh, you, usually users ask us, Hey, what's, mm-hmm. what, what NICs do you recommend? Yeah. Uh, and we provide them with a list of validated.
2: So most smart NICs. NICs are DPDK ready and you wouldn't have to do too much, but other than to validate them. Whereas DPUs are still emerging, although they talk about supporting DPDK, that's not really their purposes. They're, they're, they're and it's a why out. We're we're not ready for DPUs yet. I don't think, Alex. I think it's, but it sounds like you'd be ready for it when they come. Like this would be built for you to run agents on those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The yeah. DPU. We we think of DPUs like a like a little uh 3 4 port switch running inside the server. Right. And when, and it's amazing that we can load our own code inside it yep. just like on on these bare metal open networking switches. So that's super mm. cool, but we're still waiting for
2: Yeah, yeah, it's still I think it's years away before we get to that. Um I wanted to talk quickly. I want to jump back to a question that's been agonizing me. How do you license this product? One of the things that we've seen lately is that vendors trying out all different ideas around licensing and some are eh, painful and some are more customer-centric, shall we say. What's your view there? Well, how, do you, how do you approach it?
1: We're trying to be u- user-centric, hmm. actually. We we provide NetRis uh, for free for personal use, uh, hmm. free for trials, and trials are not gated uh, they you, you users can go to our website, uh, you know, discover uh, appropriate uh, environment for them on prem, uh, uh, you know, greenfield, brownfield, or uh, bare metal cloud. Download the appropriate version and install it. Give it a try. That's it. And whenever they are ready to go into production, only then uh, become a, a paying customer. And this is uh, and. We, we charge based on number of soft gate nodes right. uh, or and number of, if, if it's a greenfield thing, also number of switches. Right. So basically number of net risk managed nodes.
2: Right. Okay. So pricing matches consumption approximately, and, and, and it's not very complex. It's not like I've got to have this many containers per hour per month or something like that. It's just the soft gate nodes, which is a consumption metric from the, the way I understand the architecture
1: right and this approach is coming uh, kind of when when i was engineer myself when i was buying products for uh, my, my my employers th- this was kind of a challenge for me like i would yep. need to go to my boss and say hey i need this much of budget for this this and this and then one day i hit the license and th- that, that that that's a problem for me like i need to go back <laughs> to my boss and say hey you yeah. know we did this budget planning but i we need more like it's a problem, so we figured we're not doing that. Let's keep it simple,
2: right? So engaging with you is not going to require me to have a special certification just to understand your licensing, as we, <laughs> as as is, as seems to be popular at this point in time. Um, I want to come back to the touch about Kubernetes. Now I said before that you are aware of the Kubernetes container, so that I guess that means that you're talking to the Kubernetes CNI, the container network interface, which is the API where you see the network inside the Kubernetes cluster. Does that explain more about that? Let's dive into that for a few minutes and try and dig into some features of that. Uh,
1: so typically, no, no matter what CNI you're using, in, but, but in of, often cases, uh, Kubernetes is running kind of a separate layer of network b- between containers, And this network is typically not visible from, from network network from your, from in, in your regular routing table your routers typically don't have visibility into routing of, of that CNI network. Mm-hmm. In most of the cases, that's great, but sometimes you need access to container networks from something outside. Yeah, That can be because of development reasons, you want directly to access some containers. That may be because you have like one bare metal machine running some kind of old something, (laughs) something legendary.
2: Yeah, a legendary database would be the common one. There's a database over there and you're developing Kubernetes to access something yeah
1: something like that so there are these cases and it's kind of hard to organize this routing between your routers firewalls whatever and your kubernetes now Mm. uh, various cnis offer various different ways of doing this and that requires a lot of configuration like most notably this cni called calico there is this routed Mm. mode where the concept is you run bgp routing between your routers and uh, your each kubernetes node Mm. now it's just BGP routing, it's not like super hard, but what is hard is that this Kubernetes is a very dynamic environment. You're, yeah. you're getting nodes added, removed, moved. Every time that happens, you need to like go to your uh, routers and add neighbors. Mm. So that's a challenge to keep up with the dynamic nature of yeah. Kubernetes. So what we do when you enable that mode in, in Netris, when you tell, hey, Netris, please, integrate with my uh, Calico. What we do, we configure both Calico and NetRis automatically. We we provide AS numbers to Calico nodes. We automatically uh, identify IP addresses that Calico decided to use on various nodes. And we configure this BGP network and we keep up with that. We continuously monitor the cluster, no matter how many nodes you have.
2: So whatever the developer does with his DevOps or his, you know, NetOps code, he just, and he goes and requests, you're going to be aware of it because you're pulling that data from the CNI, and then you're able to, you know, if I need to add something to BGP, Netris is working all that out?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yep.
2: Right. right. So, sounds really simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> the, of course. Best best, best things in the world, they, they need yeah. to be simple. <laughs> yeah, all the hard parts are actually well,
2: done we- in the CNI, you know, so yeah
0: part of the magic here and part of the selling point is uh is that this is a, a vpc product and that's all about easy consumption which is one of the things we haven't talked ab- really about at all yet mm-hmm. Alex how do I consume Netris uh, there's an API there's a UI talk me through that
1: um there's a web console uh there's rest API for uh for like embedding Netris into some kind of system and there's a Terraform provider and Terraform provider is like very much declarative as just like the entire product is both web console and Terraform provider. You never need to deal with implementation details. You just describe high level. What's what you want to do. And Netris will figure it out. Which soft gate needs to run this? How exactly to run this? Whether to use this or that technology? That's everything is part of our algorithm to figure out. So that's why. We call it VPC abstraction, right? Okay. Not automation. Yeah.
0: So with the with it being a high level, higher level abstraction like that, if I'm using the Terraform provider, let's say, who's the who's the consumer of that? Is that a more of a dev kind of a person who doesn't want to know the details, or is it typically you finding it's more the net ops and network engineers that are consuming the Netris? Uh, product?
1: Actually, both. And we have tools for both personas. DevOps engineers are more into this uh, creating virtual networks, consuming uh, our DHCP services, NAT services, load balancer uh, services, uh, firewall services to kind of li- limit traffic across the various services. And all that is available both in Web Console or Terraform provider. DevOps engineers tend to be more uh, into infrastructure code. So we see them more using Terraform. But network engineers too, when it comes to their part, the part where they uh, peer VPC with the upstream network or where they uh, define IP uh, address subnets or VLAN uh, subnets. Uh, Network engineers find find this very helpful too. Like we've heard from customers saying this is cool. I feel hmm. it. It feels great to deal with uh, VNETs, VPCs rather than provisioning uh, a, a VLAN.
2: Yeah, a-, a VLAN and switch ports and or VLAN trunks and you know all that sort of stuff. It's just like let's go and do this over here. And it, you know, I would imagine that for some people, it also be a, a good way into starting that programmability. It gives you a real API on Netris to start configuring APIs so that you can use software to drive the configuration of Netris.
1: Absolutely. We've also seen some network engineers like people with multiple CCIs, long-time experienced network engineers discovering this abstraction approach of Netris yeah. and going all the way to the Terraform and like copy pasting oh. Whole environments, and you're, like,
2: you're you're leading them to the light, to the new light of a software <laughs> defined. Are you turning CCIEs into into DevOps and NetOps, and they're off into systems administration? Because there's been a lot of that. I'm joking, but yeah.
1: Well, actually, yes. When I was in networking, I was the person, the comfy. I started as a comfy person, right? right. And yep. all this terraforming stuff on first, like many years ago, it looked kind of strange to me, but like when I've, when I've discovered everything, when I've unlocked the power of this, new know, technologies, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. We need to take this to, to everyone else in the world. Cloud actually did real good job, understand they need did this for their business for, yeah. you know, making money. Yes. But product is insanely great technology that. I yeah. couldn't live with this mind that this amazing technology is not available beyond the cloud. that's that's kind of how we've got this idea of starting Netris. So
2: I want to spin this around a little bit. So the VPC obviously idea is the idea is it's a multi it's a tenant or it's a zone, this virtual private cloud idea that it's a tenant or a zone. There's also some connotations of security around that. So how do we um, talk about security in the context of a Netris VPC? What are the discussions you're having with customers around that aspect of it?
1: Uh, so a f- few things, U- users want to see this firewall functionality that we provide, and o- oftentimes we hear this in, 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 uh, in bare metal cloud scenarios, like think of Equinix uh, Metal mm-hmm. kind of scenario. They get their servers and they don't have easy tools for securing servers. How do, how do I block yeah. everything and permit this and that ports? That's part of VPC in public cloud uh network acls and that's part of netris vpc true right uh there's this other thing uh security groups which is kind of part of vpc in public cloud that uh, that is like much more granular than acls and it uh, enforces traffic inside the servers right we don't provide that yet but that's something on our roadmap We'll, we'll provide in, mm-hmm. uh, in ne- early next year. But
2: but you have a security capability where, mm. if I have two departments using this, this VPCs, there's no access between them unless I explicitly configure it. So I've got the auditing and I've got the access control to say, you know, this is my dev, this is my prod, this is, you know, uh, sales kubernetes this is development team over in hr this is you know outsourcers come in and is handwriting this app and they're horrible people and i don't trust them i need to isolate them over here that's the that is what we're talking about though from a security perspective you can prove that or validate that
1: yeah we've created this workflow when you create a a net network access list based on your tenant and uh, user roles mm we know that this bunch of IP addresses belongs to another group that you have no permission. So based on that, we can tell, hey, you don't have permission to create this access, but we have sent this other, this destination group approval request. Right. So the moment they approve it, we will apply the requested access list and we'll write a log about this. Just like similar how people do in legendary world. They go (laughs) to network engineer, they email network engineer, CC, the destination team. If destination team approves, network engineer uh, configures this. So we've turned that into our software to do automatically.
2: Right. Okay. So I get the controls, I get the security and the isolation. And I would also, because of the central controller, I'd also have a single point of audit. So... I want to see I do not just like I have to go and check the firewall and pray that nothing's going around it Netris gives me that end-to-end view of what's going about it
1: All right and and network engineer still defines uh network engineer is still the king you know network engineer defines the rules of the game because it's it's networking
2: Yeah yeah but, it, but also you can say, if I give a DevOps a, a permission to a particular VPC, he probably can't create the VPC. You create it for him, for example, I'm thinking, but he's, you can then give away permissions on the API to say this person or this authentication, this user, this role is allowed to configure the VPC to instantiate containers, to do stuff inside it. Is that how it works?
1: Both are possible. But typical uh, use case that we see is this: network engineer provide like a range I- IP subnets, yeah, uh, li- like like a large range where yeah, they- yeah like hundred times more than you need.
2: Yeah. Slash and 16 then, and, and then, gives
1: them. Yeah, exactly. DevOps engineers, they create VPCs. They, they can create as many as they want. Like no, right. no, no problem with that.
0: Uh, a couple other questions for you, Alex, uh, IPv4 versus IPv6. Do you treat those address families uh, differently or is IPv6 all there these days?
1: We support IPv6. We feel like it's, it's super important. We don't see. Uh, people using them as much maybe yeah maybe like 10 20% of users are are actually using it
2: yeah so but it's but all if there I want in to, the product. I can.
0: it's there
1: yeah
2: yeah it's not a no yeah. it's a
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you just you don't happen to see it but but you do support it that's good okay i also noticed digging through your website that Netris has an ipam feature but a lot of companies already have ipam so how does how does that work
1: so um our, our IPAM uh, p- p- plays a big role in this uh, in, uh, in in tenancy, in role delegation because uh, th- th- this is partially how network engineers uh, d- delegate control to those engineers. For example, network engineers, let's say network engineers are dealing with three teams of various DevOps teams internally. So they need to create subnets. They, they, they create subnets in our IPAM, but it's not just IP registry. There is this concept of uh, purpose of subnet. So you, you give subnet a purpose. You say this subnet is for load balancers and this subnet belongs uh, in in this tenant, in this group. And this other subnet its role is again load balancer but that belongs in this other tenant. Now whenever DevOps engineers or their application platforms living in appropriate tenant are requesting load balancer service, uh, system knows where to pick IP addresses from. That way DevOps engineers still uh, keep control across uh, how uh, my IP, IP address address blocks are being used. but. DevOps engineers are getting fulfilled. They are getting what they need immediately without, without this waiting and emails and stuff.
0: They would coexist then, uh, is, is what we're saying My existing IPM and Netris IPM are going to end up with specific purposes. They're going to exist alongside each other and that's going to be okay.
1: In, in Brownfield environment, they, they gonna coexist, uh, in Greenfield, we, we more of a see, uh, pe- people using our, our IPM primarily. In bare metal cloud, it's it's interesting situation because bare metal cloud providers, they have this uh, service where you kind of buy or rent or request elast- uh, IP address blocks elastically. Uh-huh. So our IPM has this uh, ability to like understand that request. And whenever bare metal, inv- uh, bare metal cloud provider, provisions you with IP address block, we automatically add that into your IPAM. And our border router functionality relies on IPAM to figure out, oh, I just got new block of public IP addresses. I need to start advertising this to the internet. Okay.
2: So this that bare metal cloud you're talking about, there's certain types of colo providers who don't just give you the rack, they give you the servers as well. And you could go in and say, I want to buy 10 servers and then buy two more if you need it, or four more, or whatever. And that's a bare metal cloud. And then it's up to you to provision those. But you don't actually go and touch them and hug them. They're just literally servers that have an external administration capability so that you can boot an operating system and go from there remotely, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The amazing part is their API. They provide all these great services based programmatically based on API. Mm-hmm. Their API is actually... it's, it's conceptually is very similar to our API and very similar to public cloud API. So this is great thing for us. Yeah, We can watch the API and based on that uh, understand, you know, identify servers, identify, get get some metadata about the servers and like show that servers UUIDs inside our product. So OS engineer can, can kind of combine servers and network services into one thing yeah. in a couple of clicks.
2: I mean, that, that bare metal use case, while it sounds a little odd, is something I actually think is a unique use case because because I'm being given bare metal servers in someone else's data center, I can't go up and futz with the – they're all connected at layer two, and it's up to me to make something of them, right? So it, it almost seems like that's a perfect use case for your product, for Netris.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in in that environment, you're you're like super super correct. Uh, servers are physically plugged into some kind of uh, programmatically managed uh, switch fabric. Yeah. And whenever user creates a VPC in Netris Controller, we 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 consume uh, their API and we go provision the plumbing. Yeah. We use their API to say, hey, could you please. Create these
2: VLAN uh, IDs or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly, and right. include uh, physical servers with this, 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 this UU IDs in, in, into that service.
2: Right. So Netris is actually then not a, in the bare metal operation that you're talking about, where you're buying bare metal from a third party in a colo. Like I like to think of it as colo companies going a bit further, uh, which not not entirely fair, but there you go. Um, But that's a great use case for Kubernetes for development because you get all the benefits. It's almost a copy of what they'll get on-prem, but you're actually doing it outside the data center so you don't have to buy the servers and everything until the product's finished. And you've got a capability to understand the load, how many servers you need, what's it going to look like until you get there. Otherwise, you have to sort of build these dev environments in-house and then you go live and the dev environment doesn't look anything like the production environment because the dev environment was built three years ago and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The project ran out of money, you know, whatever it might be. So using someone else's service is a really great way to do the dev cycle, perhaps.
1: That's a use case that we're seeing, but also another another use case that we uh, re- recently keep seeing with our customers is uh, cloud-born customers that, who, who were born in the cloud when they were small and now they and they, they cared a lot about uh, engineering their product towards the, the growth. Mm. Now And then over time, they, they grew up, become you know, self-sustainable large company. Mm-hmm. And they think about uh, optimizing costs. Co- costs were not critical earlier, but now when, yeah. when they are big, they, they figure the product market fit. Now they want to keep the costs low. But, Depending on the use case, sometimes it's it makes sense for them to go into data center and build like six regions or something mm. like that. We 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 have got users like that too, but also we're seeing a trend where users want to save cost by going into a bare metal cloud environment because they want to skip this challenge of raking and staking yeah physical servers. They but- don't want
2: to do the arms and legs and the, and hugging the servers and. Patching the cables and managing this and owning the switches and everything because that is actually that's a whole another team to do that. And if they've been in the cloud, they probably don't even have any skill to know who to hire, much less how to manage a team like that, right? So to them, going to bare metal is almost a mid middle step, I guess maybe.
1: Yeah, true. They they, they go to bare to bare metal cloud. They get uh, compute. Yep. They get upstream networking. They get IP address rental service, whatever. What is missing now Uh, by the way software wise Mm. yeah what what is missing now is vpc because because look in public cloud they had uh they they had storage they had compute they had vpc storage any storage technology any modern storage technology supports s3 and every all the other nice things that exist in the cloud you can deploy that storage software everywhere same applies to compute you take kubernetes you take server virtualization to everywhere very experience can be very close to public cloud but vpc is missing this is where our our role kicks in
0: right yeah well alex we've had a the wide ranging discussion here on a Netris. And I feel like uh, this was, you know, I know we've already chatted once on day two cloud and had that conversation, which tended to be a bit more cloudy. And this was a, a whole other broadening of the topics that we covered there. This has been a great discussion. So I'm hoping there's a lot of people that have listened to this that are interested in ringing up Netris and finding out more. So tell them how do they do that, Alex? How do they find out more?
1: So it's free for individual use and it's free for trial. And it's not gated. So if if anyone interested in Netris, please go to our website, netris.io, read the docs. Everything is free, ungated. Hit this Try Now button. There's. Netris for different environments, you can test in your Brownfield environment, you can test uh, Netris in a bare metal cloud, or you can even rent a sandbox from us to play around. Come join our Slack channel, our engineers and our Netris community, everyone will be happy to answer your your questions and Mm. share their experience with you.
2: I want to congratulate you on the documentation. It doesn't suck. I did actually was reading it before I started here and it's pretty comprehensive in terms of it. Like it's readable. It's not like, you know, so congratulations on that at least. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening, netris.io, N E T R I S.io, and you can find everything from there, but it's all also linked in the show notes that you can find at packetpushers.net, packetpushers.net. Go to podcast, heavy networking, and you'll find this show that we have recorded with. Netris, and our thanks to Netris for sponsoring heavy networking today. That's how we pay the bills around here. So our sponsors are a really important part of what happens on the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. And thanks to you for listening all the way to the end. If you do reach out to Alex or anybody that's on the Netris team, would you let them know you heard about them on the Packet Pushers podcast network that's how our sponsors know that what they're doing here with us is working you folks out there are finding new solutions for your problems out there by listening to our podcasts if you want to hear more of our fine free technical podcasts, because we don't just have heavy network and this is the only one you're listening to you're missing out on so many others kubernetes unpacked full stack journey the network break ibv6 buzz and more. Um, We have a community Slack channel as well. Over 2,000 network engineers from around the world hanging out, chatting 24 by 7. Uh, We have written work, all of that you can discover at packetpushers.net. And we even have a YouTube channel these days. Lots of great educational content that we have been posting up there all for free. We're on Twitter at packetpushers. We're on LinkedIn. You can hear us on Spotify. And if you take a minute and rate us on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate that. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.